Welcome to Health Matters at Sargent College. The mission of Sargent College is to advance, preserve, disseminate, and apply knowledge in the health and rehabilitation sciences. BU's Sargent College strives to create an environment that fosters critical and innovative thinking to best serve the healthcare needs of society. Each episode of Health Matters at Sargent College will include faculty, students, or alumni who will share their knowledge with you. I'm Karen Jacobs, the Associate Dean of Digital Learning and Innovation at Sargent College, and I'll be your moderator for each episode. I'm delighted to have on this episode of Health Matters at BU Sargent College, Clinical Assistant Professor in the Department of Health Sciences, the Program in Health Sciences, and the Director of International Service Learning and Community Engagement. I want to share something that's on Shelley Brown's um, website and what she says, and I quote, she studies key linkages between health, human development, and human security, and larger themes of health equity, social determinants of health, health systems, and women's health with a focus on vulnerable or marginalized populations. Shelley, welcome. We'd Thank love you, you to, <laughs> to tell us about yourself and the, the work you've been doing, your background, um, some of the programs that you're involved in. You have such an exciting role at Sargent College. Well, thank you for that lead-in. I'm really excited. I, I so enjoy my time at Sargent and working with all the students, and I've felt like it's been just so many wonderful opportunities have presented themselves over the years, both in teaching and research, and of course, as you mentioned, in international service learning, which is just really, I think, one of the most wonderful opportunities that students have across the different programs in Sargent. So, yeah. So what does it mean? Um, you know, we see all over the construct of service learning. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? And then we, for us, we attach the international aspect. So mm -hmm. can you just sort of maybe describe service learning a little bit? I'd love to. That's a great place to start because we've also, over the years, I think, had different iterations of, you know, what does service learning mean? What does it mean to us? What does it mean to students? You know, how are they defining it? We even early in early stages, I should backtrack a little, we started the program in 2011 officially. So it's been nine years. I can't Where believe. Where do the years <laughs> go? Next year will be 10 years of service <laughs> learning. And from the beginning, we felt it was really important to offer students uh, because students in Sargent often have many commitments and demands on their time and very rigorous curriculum and are not always able to participate in study abroad opportunities or want uh, more opportunities to participate in international, which means often going to another country, not always, but often going to another country to just really learn and experience um, all the different things they're learning in the classroom in another environment. And so my colleague and I, who since left Sargent College, but I must mention Anna Monahan because we started it together. It was our baby from the beginning. Uh, she was great. She was wonderful and, and miss her a lot, but I'm happy that it's continued to flourish um, because we built a solid foundation. And, and we sat on a committee with a number of other Sargent colleagues to kind of talk about this. What does service learning mean to us? 
And we came up with a definition that it really meant a way to augment what students are learning in the classroom, not to replace classroom instruction, um, not to go and serve a community and deliver something to a community. And I think that's where that was a point of a sticky point for a little bit for many of us is, you know, what are we doing? Are we providing a service? Are we delivering care in some way? And I think that's something through a lot of dialogue uh, with students and faculty came up with a definition that uh, we were really pleased with, which really meant that we are all learning together. And it's really from the ground up. We really, with intent and thoughtfully work with community partner organizations uh, that identify needs in the different countries we might work in and say, you know, in this given year and time, uh, the, the town needs, um, in one instance, a road. They didn't have a road, which is, a, I think, a thing a lot of our students learn about, that transportation can be a key barrier to healthcare and education. And in this particular uh, village, they had learned that students would show up to school dirty, late and dirty, and the teachers would turn them away, and they would have to go back home and weren't able to participate in the school day because they were dirty and late to school. And it's because they didn't have um, a functional road to travel on to get to school. And I think that's just a great example of the ways that it's not the traditional kind of, when you think of healthcare, or delivering healthcare, or learning about healthcare, the health system, you don't often think about the road and the physical kind of access in that way. And I think that's an exciting opportunity for students across the different um, programs and departments in Sargent to see how impactful something like you know, transportation and a road and access can be for um, education and then also for getting access to the hospital or to a clinic. And so we um, very much work with students to explain and and encourage a dialogue about what is service um, and that it's not, again, to kind of come in and fix something. It's to learn from the community. We all share problems. We all have problems. Um, I don't think there's any one perfect system of healthcare. Um, and I think that's probably the takeaway. I've seen most students come back and reflect on their experiences um, in a truly kind of meaningful way and really learned to understand other, um, in the small ways that you can in a two-week experience, um, systems of you know healthcare, um, education, um, farming. Um, they work with so many different communities on all different aspects of social determinants of health. Um, and then they're able to bring that back to the classroom. And that's how we envision service learning, this kind of give and take and um, learn and absorbing for two weeks uh, as much as you can about a particular area. So the two-week period seems to be something that you've decided upon that um, being in another country, um, doing the service learning opportunities mm -hmm. that are there, it seems to be that seems to be the threshold of amount of time that the students should be in in that country or the village, wherever it is. Mm -hmm. We felt like we would love. I think it would be great to do more. It does seem about the amount of time. There are some costs involved, and there are you know school classes and different commitments, internships, and we typically run the programs during our spring break. So we run a 10-day program during spring break in Guatemala, and in the summer we run the two-week programs, um, and we found that to be the kind of sweet spot of amount of time for students and our community partners to be able to deliver a really strong, um, and again, really thoughtful, program. And I should also mention these trips are very much a real experience of living in communities. And we've stayed anywhere from, you know, most, many places, I won't say most, but many places are homestays. Um, and you're staying in a family's home and you're being welcomed into their home. 
and all the things that that means, which often means, you know, no running water, no toilets. Um, you might be sharing, certainly sharing a bedroom with some of your peers that are traveling on the trip in a small home. And I think that's uh, one of the most important pieces of these trips is you're not, you know, working by day and then going to stay in a hotel or even a hostel at night. You're really seeing the full experience. And I think it's hard to, in some ways, to kind of, um, in the heat sometimes, if you're in our program in India has had historically high um, temperatures for the last few summers of uh, over 120 uh, degrees Fahrenheit. And I really think you cannot leave a trip like that and, and not have a different perspective on what it means to be a human living in that environment and navigating the world with some other barriers that you may or may not face wherever you're from. And I think that's been what's most interesting. It's the small things. Yeah, it's really the small things. And, and India, you know, um, is particularly interesting to me because I, for many, many years, uh, sent occupational mm-hmm. therapy students there. And they live there for a month. And they're typically at a school living there, working with the teachers, the students. um, And that takeaway that you said Mm -hmm. um, of really experiencing life makes such a big difference, that they can bring back to the classroom, bring back to their own vision of themselves Mm -hmm. as well. How many students typically go on these um, service learning trips? We range about eight to 12 students. Uh, again, we everything we do is carefully planned and thought out. We start planning about 10 to 11 months in advance prior to a trip. And we make sure that that is the number of students that's okay with the community leaders who are involved in the planning uh, because they do visit different areas. Some are more sensitive than others. And it's very important that you're not showing up at a small clinic or, in one case, we were at a maternity ward um, where many women, they did not have a hospital in the area in um, the mountains of Peru. And so we made sure uh, that we didn't have, you know, we weren't overwhelming them with people. So we're being sensitive to the community's, you know, interests and needs. And that typically seems to be around eight to 12 students per trip. Um, and that's, Four trips per year, so we're sending That's a lot, a lot of students, and um, a faculty member is always on the trip as well. Yes, that's been one of our. If you ask me, what is unique about these trips? Because there are certainly many different opportunities for service learning and community engagement throughout Boston University, and you know certainly other universities. And I think one of the most unique pieces of it is that a faculty member from any it actually comes from faculty interest um, in trips, and so faculty members are from any of the departments in. Um, Sergeant College can participate in a trip, and they're really able to make those links. And every trip is different. I've participated in you know many of these trips, and every single trip is different because the students are different, the faculty are different, their knowledge is different, their life experiences are different. And I, that's just one of the my favorite pieces of it to hear students come back and tell me in the fall. Uh, or the summer after the trip in the fall once they're back on campus, what it meant to them. And it's just new and amazing every year for me. So it's a different experience for me, too, in different ways to learn from students what they learned in the trip from the faculty member and how they made some of those connections, whether it's back to the classroom or just to life experience. No, it's great. Um, one of my goals is mm-hmm. to lead one of those I trips. I hope so. I have all these ideas <laughs> of places to go. Um, you mentioned some expense. Um, but there's yes. scholarships as well. There are, and I'm so glad you mentioned that because it does. There are some expenses associated with it, and we work very closely with students to make sure it's accessible, available to any student and sergeant. This has been a, a big component of the trips from the beginning. We would not offer them 
if they were not available uh, to all students that wanted to participate. And we very much have to thank um, our dean, Chris Moore, for being instrumental in that effort and some very, very generous alumni donors. Uh, that have made that ha- made that happen over the years, and so students, all students, are eligible to apply for a scholarship. They decide if they would like to or not, and then we are able to then offer scholarships to all students that apply, um, in varying amounts, and that depends on a number of different things, especially trip cost. And so it's made uh, many students have let us know that that's made it available to them. They've never left the country before, and that has made this opportunity has been a chance for them to. See to see a country they've always wanted to see, to experience a place they may never have been able to. In a way, we know they would never be able to just because of the wonderful partners that we have. And it's just not a way I've ever traveled before. And I've traveled a lot. Uh, These trips have opened my eyes to even places I've seen before, but I'm seeing them differently because the access that they provide you and the realness of, like we said earlier, living with... uh, um, somebody that lives there every day. You're just there for a short piece of time. So the scholarships have just um, changed everything about how we're able to provide and offer these trips. And it's for undergrads and graduate it's students. It's for everybody. We do not discriminate in any way, shape, or form. We welcome any and all all students from Sargent. I get that question a lot. I think I see a lot of students, um, especially grad students, really want to participate. They're possibly even more time limited from other kind of life and career and, um, and classes. Course, course demands. Mm-hmm. I was going to say the, the um, obvious demands on your time from classwork and so and courses. So they often come to me and wonder if they could participate. And we say absolutely yes. We even students that have recently graduated. We've had students that are recent graduates participate. Um, I've had students participate more than once on a trip. So they'll go one year and say how wonderful it was. Can they go again? And they've become, in many cases, our kind of liaison and we elevate them to another status um, because they've had the experience before. I've never, people ask me, how do I find faculty? And I say, so far, I've never actually had to work hard at it. I'll be honest, they come to me. More often than not, they you know indicate an interest in a place we've gone before or um, in this case, this summer, we're actually going to Cambodia for the first time ever. One of our trips will be in Cambodia. And that very much came from um, my interest in the type of program they were able to offer, which is resilience and trauma. So it had more of a global mental health focus. But also, it was just a perfect opportunity and marriage of interest. One of the faculty members um, in the health science program had done some work previously in Cambodia and had a very strong interest in in that particular region, and we were able to kind of work together on that. So it can very much come from faculty interest, um, and that's typically where it originates, and then we try to see if we can make that work out, and there's strong student interest as well. That's fabulous. Um, Can you just share, before we make a transition, to talk about uh, a new course? Um, how? What other? What countries? You mentioned Peru, mm-hmm. Cambodia, India. Um, were there other countries? There are. So that's um, this summer is Peru, Cambodia, and Thailand, which has been a popular. It's back by popular demand. I'll say because we had tried to do um, two to three trips per summer, but we're you know when we were making decisions, I had so many students reach out about. We have to go back to Thailand. You have to offer Thailand. So we decided we are 
offering Thailand again. So that's great um, that we have three trips this summer. We actually, I should mention, have uh, for the first time, we have a domestic trip as well this summer um, in Vermont, in Middlebury, Vermont, um, which gives a very different view of you know all things public health and healthcare, and it's it's much more on farming practices and sustainable farming, um, and there's some opportunities for research with local partners there, just to kind of um, add another offering um, for students that may want to stay a little bit more local for a variety of different reasons. And then our spring break trip is to Guatemala, and this will be our fourth year going. So wow, um, yeah. I'm I'm all excited. So I'll, <laughs> I'll have an email to you uh, by tomorrow. I with can't wait. Some yeah. ideas <laughs> of places. Um, so let's transition to this new course, mm-hmm. um, and it sounds so interesting. So tell us about this global health course. Yes, it's a global mental health course I taught. Um, it's a new course at Sargent that I've taught for the first time this past fall. And to be honest, with any new course that's not required in the, you know, in the degree, um, and I knew there had been a strong interest in things around courses around mental health from my time working in the program, and that's my area of research, I thought, why not? Let's try and see. And I have to say, we were overwhelmed in a really great way by the response from students. Um, we had 54 students. Oh, my goodness. For an elective. <laughs> for an elective course. But I think, to me, that speaks to... And this is what students confirm for me later on, the interest in mental health in general. We've, all of us have seen faculty, staff, and students, um, increasing numbers of, you know, students and faculty and staff have needs and interest around how can we, you know, improve our well-being, how can we address any issues that might arise, um, you know, being in college, um, especially at any stage, can be a very stressful experience, and so is life. And I think to find ways to kind of integrate that into the curriculum was very important to me. It's an area I've, it's been important for many years, and I spent a lot of my time. That's my area of research and maternal mental health. So I was excited to be able to bring that then to the classroom and to work with students. Um, what's interesting about the course, um, we partnered with BU's um, Metro Bridge. Um, and that was a great partnership to work with the city of West Springfield. Uh, they had identified some needs around um, uh, mental health that they had in um, West Springfield. So our students got to work kind of in real time on a project as consultants. So it made everything in the classroom come to life when they saw the challenges, really, and the barriers. And even if you have needs, there's a big behavioral health gap in uh, Massachusetts, actually, um, United States, but certainly Massachusetts, where on average, half the people that are in need of mental health care do not have access. And then when you look globally, that's usually about 75% to 90%. Oh my God, that's staggering. It's horrible when you look at a low and middle income country. And I think to hear that, you know, it's easy to look at data and it's easy to read an article. I find myself doing that too. And then when you're in a community where we had uh, met with a lot of different people and they would tell us their stories and how difficult it was to experience whether it was a trauma they had experienced or if they were in care, what the quality of that care was like, or if they weren't able to access care. And I think it really brought it to life for all of us. I felt like a student in my own class in some ways. It was um, a great experience to uh, be able to learn from that project, but also from students. And um, we are happy to offer the course again next fall. Uh, So I'm excited that it will continue. So that project that you did in Springfield, is that going to be sustainable? Um, So next year you'll be doing it again, or will you be reaching out to other communities? I'm glad you asked, because we would love to. We are continuing it into the spring, because our students, I have a hard time with making recommendations to a community and then leaving the community and saying, you're on on your own to figure it out. So I'm really excited to say that um, 
you know, MetroBridge is uh, supporting us and that I have a student that really wanted to take this up um, as her um, independent project this spring to work with them on taking these recommendations and making them a reality to the extent, you know, budgets allow. And and it's a great learning experience, again, for her to see, you know, how can this actually become a, a real possibility? So she's working on that this spring. And then they've agreed to um, find a way either to work again with West Springfield if the need is there or another partner with another town in the fall, but to make sure it's sustainable, that you're not just throwing a bunch of information and then walking away. So I think that's been a great experience for me and all the students to see that it's sustainable. And the sustainability is so important. Well, we're going to wind down now. If people want to reach you, is there a good email or some other link that you'd like to share before we conclude Definitely. Um, this podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, please feel free to reach me anytime. My email is probably the easiest way. And that's Shelley, S-H-E-L-L-E-Y-B at BU.edu. Oh, Shelley, thank you so much. I'm totally inspired by everything that you're doing. And I hope people who are thinking about applying to BU get excited about this international service learning, the course that you're offering, and graduate students coming to BU or who are already there. I hope that they'll reach out to you. So thank you. Please do. We welcome you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.